I've never been good at Guitar Hero. I once picked up a broken guitar that was thrown out in a dumpster when I was in 8th grade. And I did get to strum a few notes back when 7th grade music class required you to learn how to sing on Leaving on a Jet Plane. I've never been great at guitar. I've always respected people that could play guitar. And I've always had a love for rock and roll. Now, by bringing my guest on today, Alan Currens, an entertainer, a rocker, a mentor for people wanting to make careers out of themselves full-time in showbiz, am I living out some unresolved fantasy that I might have a rock star life? Yes, absolutely, yes, and it's painful to admit so, I moved through the pain into bliss and fun. Alan Kearns joins me, host of Bones of Giants podcast, coming up on Open Loops. I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, okay? Let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And, and get this, okay? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Open Loops, an intellectually escapist podcast for the escapist intellectual. That's right. This is a theme park, folks. For provocateurs, sapiosexuals, time travelers, autodidacts, loopers. It's a late night talk show for the shamelessly fringe curious. Non-stop stimulation for your brain as entertainment. We celebrate intellectual diversion as a way of life. We're talking conspiracy, mystery, just plain weird. It's got a rightful place here in the three-ring circus of your boundless imagination. My name is Greg Bornstein. I'm your Loop Master. And today, we have Alan Currens. Love this guy. Love this guy. I don't know if it's the accent. Always a bias. I don't know if it's the raw, like, yeah... This is a man that I connect with, that that speaks the language of emotions and, and feels like a brother, even though I haven't met him. I also just think he's dang knowledgeable. Uh, I almost feel like, you know, I did this interview with uh, Paul, which was <laughs> Podcast Paul, about the, the darkness of the rock star lifestyle, and in a way... Alan, and I don't think Paul will take this as an insult, Alan redeemed that podcast with this interview because 
we talk a lot more about the psychology of what goes on in the brain of someone who's trying to achieve fame, fortune, and actually make a living as a musician. I really got the sense that Alan, I mean, in addition to the fact that like he's produced kids' television shows and worked in theater and still performs full-time, he is a mentor for people learning how to do this, be in show, and add the business part of it. I learned a lot from him. You're going to get some interesting stuff about personality breakdowns for people in live entertainment, the holy trinity of music. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. There's a lot of interesting stuff. I, I love the frameworks of things he's broken down, and we're going to talk about his book coming up, but also he's launched a podcast. He's about five episodes in, Bones of Giants, available on all the podcast platforms. It's really good. It's 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 really interesting. I, I feel like in anyone in any aspect of entertainment trying to make it living as an artist full-time can benefit from Alan's insight. And again, is he the father figure that I need in addition to my father? Well, we'll let you decide. If you enjoy Open Loops, please do tell your friends. Let them know. Check it out. Uh, please also share, yeah, share this podcast around. Subscribe, leave a rating, review on Apple Podcasts definitely helps to keep these shows coming out. And when you subscribe, you always get the latest episode. They're coming out quick. Now, enjoy me feeling received. <laughs> it's Alan coming up. Look, I have Alan Currens here. A rock star and entertainer slash entrepreneur hybrid. Uh, now, look, Alan, I mean, I, I definitely want to talk with you and about the work you're doing with helping other musicians perform their dream careers. Uh, I'm very curious. In my book, because I have an acting background, uh, being a good entertainer, being a good performer means that you are running your business or you've rework your partner with people, agents, managers, so that you are uh, having an effective business. What do you think is the difference between just being a successful performer and then being a performer that's also looking at it as an entrepreneur? Is there a difference? Oh, yeah. That, okay, that's a great question. Hi, Greg. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm jumping right in. I'm, first of all, hi, how are you? <laughs> oh, man, I expected it. I've been listening to your podcast, and, I, and I'm like, this guy finds the cracks in the armor so fast, and he just knows exactly <laughs> where to go and, and like, what matters. Um, so that's a really great question, okay? Um, there's, there's definitely a big difference between – okay, so to re rephrase your question, what's the difference between being an entertainer and being an entertainer that's a successful entrepreneur, basically yeah. what you're right? Okay. Well, I think that when you're an entertainer, you, you're pretty much, you're on an artist's journey. You get this musician's journey focus in your mind. You, you're seeking self-actualization as a performer or a creator of some, in some way, whether you're a songwriter or you're like me where you've done that, but you're, you're all about the chemistry with the audience, but it's, it's kind of short-term thinking. Um, 
And it's really about riding the high. It's like you're skipping across a pond that you just never want to go into. You just want to keep skipping across it. And an entrepreneur, now you're introducing to the artist mind, how do I make this sustainable? Okay, now I, I know what my purpose is. I know what my passion is and I'm pursuing it. But mm. that's successful. So I'm successful. Yay, I'm on stage and I'm doing my thing. But is it sustainable? So there's two ways to look at that. One is the business sense of it. Did you build a good plan? Is it a good brand? Do you have a strategy? Are you smart with your money? And two, are you emotionally intelligent enough to handle what's coming at you and interpret it in such a way that you can turn that into momentum instead of resistance? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. You know, it makes me wonder if you are inherently taking the fun out of being a rock star. No, I don't think you are. <laughs> oh, my God. If you knew my past, uh, yeah. if, there's a fine line there. You, you're, you're so right. If this isn't fulfilling and bringing me joy, I'm not in it. So I have, I have an awareness of what I just said to you, and I have people in my life that have replaced me in – in all the areas I am kind of averse to naturally, like business, like planning, like financial investment, uh, the things I mentioned, I'm averse to. So I have sought out and built a team around me of people who are strong in these areas so I can get back to the fun. And you, man, you hit the nail on the head. If it's not fun, I'm not interested. I'm just doing this because I'm a grown up kid, you know? Yeah. Well, I think what's awesome about what you, you know, I, I, I can see you operate in general, sort of, uh, you know, my looking into your work and, and talking with you a bit before you agreed to come on. I said, you know what this guy looks like? He is living a joyful life like you have. And now I don't know what that means. Could it mean, you know, drugs, rock and roll, groupies, all that sort of stuff? I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of that. But your spirit is there. I don't necessarily actually, well, first of all, I don't actually think you need sex and drugs to have a fulfilling rock and roll career if you're passionate enough about the performing. I don't. But often they go hand in hand. Well, first of all, what is your relationship to those things? I can tell you right now that I, it's never occurred to me until you were just speaking how poignant the word fulfilling is here. Because when, when I was younger, in my 20s and 30s, there was a lot of sex, drugs, touring, uh, all of the things that you picture the stereotypical 80s kid or 80s yeah. rocker you know, growing into. Um, and that was more filling than it was fulfilling. I was, I was self-medicating. I was, I was the whole time I was looking for something that the music wasn't going to give me because I wasn't doing it for the music. I was doing it for validation, acknowledgement, love, uh, all the things I thought were missing in my life. And those things were nothing but an extension of that. I was looking for love. I was looking to belong, right? When I met my wife, um, and we've been together 20, 29 years now. Wow, congrats. Uh, That's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, that, that drove me toward what I now am in, which is fulfilling. And it, it's interesting to me that I don't even think of those things anymore. And, and my self-medication has turned into running, uh, you know, yeah. other forms of stimulation and escape. Uh, but man, I mean, everything you mentioned has, you, you went through the gambit of, I think you truly get the artist journey here. You went through the gambit of all the things that we use in our life, that the things that we associate with what we're doing or that we uh, um, 
kind of use to get through what we're doing or to find what we're looking for. Uh, I think in the end, though, if, if it's going to be fulfilling, it can't have those things because in my mind, those things aren't sustainable. And mm. part of my formula is it's got to be sustainable. You got to get your head right. You got to get your business right. And that's, that doesn't fall into that category. And I think that's why you don't see a lot of long lasting careers. Not a, they're out there, <laughs> but yeah. not a lot of them that involve that stuff. So would you, I mean, look, and this is, I mean, it really blends effortlessly everything you're saying into the work you're doing. Uh, you're, you're spearheading uh, the a book coming out next summer called The Bones of Giants. And, uh, you know, you have a podcast going live. Is it, is it this summer you're still going to launch it or later? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to launch The Bones of Giants podcast in August and the book. Oh, awesome. Yep, in August. Uh, and then the book comes out in the summer of 2021. And here's the thing. The book's kind of written. Um, and I w I've been listening to a lot of people and, and realizing that there's a lot of people that talk about, I would have said this, or I would have done this, or, oh, bummer if you've got the first edition because all that software is out of date that I talked about. Mm. And I thought, wow, man, the second edition really is the one to shoot for. And so I immediately thought, well, I'm just going to give myself a year introducing this book to people like you just talking like already from you i have the 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 filling and the fulfilling yeah <laughs> yeah because because there's i'm gonna get so much more back than i'm capable of putting in there and it's that back and forth that i think might make the bones of giants more rich yo uh, i'll be in that acknowledgments page i'll take it um <laughs> acknowledgments greg for his yeah um <laughs> right the forward <laughs> <I need some. laughs> totally totally no I, so so in reference to that here's what i'm gonna ask then and this is the thing like i think and this is just me being someone that is yes uh talked about this with a lot of the healers and life coaches that i've had on is someone trying trying to transcend the ego um i think if i were to come to you and be like hey look alan you've had this life i know you've explored these amazing things and now you you see that you're in a at a different place uh and you, and you didn't need to resort to those things because it's more sustainable i'd still be a little let down i think at least egoically if you didn't give me enough reason to believe that i could just I don't know, jump to a higher level of existence rather than you being like, yeah, well, part of your dream career is you're going to go through this phase that's very dark and it's, uh, yeah, you're going to want to chase those things and it's okay because it's human nature, but just know if you do it in a bad way, you may never recover. Like, is that part of your pitch or do you believe that people can jump away and just launch into a dream career without needing to go through all the muck that I believe, at least from my perspective right now, it, it's a tempting offer. It seems pretty fun. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, the, the, there's the short term and the, the long term thinking there. But your question gets really to the heart of something that I'm all about. There's this there's this like immediacy about us. Um, a lot of musicians quit their careers because I think the they get hurt, they get, a, they get resistance, they have a, a letdown, right? And, and they can fix that right now by removing the pain and stepping back away from it. The, the alternative is this promise of joy that's in the future, right? So I think mm. a lot of times when people do come into music, they don't have that long-term vision or sight and they don't expect all the interruptions and the resistance and maybe the distractions, so they're caught off guard. 
So no, it is not a part of the, the pitch. And in fact, I've started the Bones of Giants because I think people can skip a lot of things if they have a better understanding of what they're going through. And someone mm. lays out a map and says, like, I don't know about you, Greg, but I could have used some kind of map. Like if somebody would have just said, here's what you're going to run into. When it happens, it's okay. Just keep going. Um, instead of me questioning myself so deeply every time something went wrong or I got the wrong, went down the wrong path just a little, that, that was really just information. But I took it as some kind of, you know, self-incriminating evidence. You're like, oh, I'm not meant for this. Um, you know, and, and I was going through this bizarre, painful, self-inflicting self um, initiation to this career. Like I've got to suffer, man. I've got to be a bleeding artist. And yeah, and right. None of it was true. I, I want to tell people when you're on the musician's journey, like when you cross that threshold, if you've got your mindset right and you pick the right, the right mentors, you, you have a lot better chance of not even being aware of that stuff. I talked about, I came from a broken home and wandered into a bad situation. So I'm, I'm just, I was fodder for the record industry. I was just fodder. They right, right. People like me out. I had some talent and they could use me and get rid of me. Um, so totally what you're saying is uh, what you're asking is, do you have to go through it? No, you don't. You can get straight to the good stuff. And it is all the good stuff if you interpret it correctly. That's amazing. So look, I mean, I'm wondering, are you like filtering people out? Like, does anybody ever come to you and say like, hey, look, I want to be on the road and I want to have like, I want to be a God in the eyes. I want to be Mick Jagger at his height. I want all that stuff. When you have someone like that, do you have to sit them down and be like, here's the thing. You think you want that. Here's what you actually want. Like, how do you get through to that person? Okay. Well, you know, that's, mm, that, that's interesting because for one thing, I, I mean, my industry now is I own mannequin productions with my business partner, Dana. We, uh, Mannequin, the band, plays all over the world. We do private events all over the world. We're seven years old. And uh, because we kind of have only ever done events, we grew into that. Now we have three bands. Mm. We bought a music school here in Denver. So a lot of our musicians teach at that school. And we bought a production company so we can provide our own production. And kind of adjacent opportunities have, have blossomed, right? But what yeah. happens is people see, okay, I know... I used to be called junior. They'd say, Oh, I know junior from back in the day. Um, he's doing this now. And, and they'll come to me and say, look, I still want, I'm still chasing that dream. I still want to be signed. I still want to do this, and that. but I see what you're doing. Now, the only way to cross into my world is to meet my standards. Now I'm not going to ask you to give up your dreams and I'm not going to ask you to change, but when you step onto my stage, this is who you are. And I, and I'm going to pay you to be that. And I'm going to, I'm going to, set the expectations and put everything in place that you need to become that so that you can be the most presentable and, and productive part of this team you can be. Then you got an income doing what you love. If that conflicts with a passion project, you've got to put the passion project first. You're kind of no good to me. Otherwise we don't have a roster in, in my bands. These event bands are very unique in that they're the only ones I know of that are set up like a rock band. Like that's my past. Dana comes from the, the music theater background and you know you know you know every cast party after after the oh run. yeah that's <laughs> family man same thing with my rock band they were my brothers we were a, a family each band we have is a family we travel together we have chemistry there's no roster if you're going to be in this it needs to be your passion if you have a different passion please pursue that i'll even help you 
but you've got to be where your heart is or, or you're kind of an imposter. And that, that shows through in the chemistry and the things that we do. Interesting. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, like what is, um, how can you tell? <laughs> do you, or mm, how can you, what? how can you tell if someone's like actually doing it from the heart versus they're chasing this kind of, uh, you know, Russell Brand at his worst kind of uh, this this stereotype of a rocker that has this terrible lifestyle. I mean, I'm really sort of curious about you know, um, people have these idea or has the idea of being a a rock star changed over time? I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, what is that? I, I think it has changed. I I think there's a different idea now. I mean, first off. Greg, I cannot decide if you are insightful or, I mean, I can't believe you're not an artist. You're getting right to things that- <laughs> Well, I, I do have the, I mean, yes, I, I went to school for acting. So definitely Dana and I could probably have a lot of conversations oh, about the world. Well, what you just opened was a big part of the Bones of Giants is, um, and this is something I'm holding close to my chest, but I've done personality profiles for musicians. Because mm. I don't think any system out there, Myers-Briggs or Enneagrams, I don't think anything works for us. It's close and we can find where we are nearest. But musicians are a different breed. Artists are a different breed. And I guarantee you actors are a different breed. Once you step into one of these subcultures of artistry, which is already a subculture of being human, you, you kind of got to understand things differently. We have different risk. We have different investments. Our hearts don't work the same. You know, it's our brains... Like, like, like you, are you cerebral? Or are you, I, I don't even know how you see the questions you see. Being a, uh, <laughs> I know I'm, ve I'm very confused by myself too, but yes, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I guess, I guess I could say that too, but you said it first. Um, <laughs> right, so, to answer your question, I didn't know. And that's why I came up with the profiles. People have a way of the, 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 the there's artists are mimics. And so they can see what they want. And then they can become what they need to be to you so that you get that you let them in. Now, that only lasts for so long before who they are starts to show. And that's the toddler stage of being in my van. That's where I, I see you're in the terrible twos. You're testing your boundaries. You're mm. away with not learning my stuff up front here. Can I come unprepared? Will he tolerate lateness? There's all these boundaries. And I start to see who you are. But eventually, um, your true colors will show. Now, I have a competitor in this industry who... Uh, is really big and doing great things. And I just watched him do a, a Zoom webinar. And he said, you're not going to last long in my band. I, I will fire fast and hire slow. Mm. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? And that might work in corporate America. But it, it, with artistry and having a family culture, not a roster, I can't do that. I have to, I have to love, forgive, um, you know, become part of, give a little to them too. I, I can't ask them to assimilate that. Then they lose what they're bringing to this thing. So they, they come in, they show their true colors. And Dana and I have always said the wrong people kind of find their way out. They find the door. They, they don't feel comfortable. And we've only had to fire two, two people. And I think we've written checks to maybe 280 musicians now over the last wow. seven years. I mean, we have 60 on the roster right now or on our payroll rather. Um, and so they, they just sort of find their way out. You know, they, they don't want to be somewhere they don't fit in. You don't have to be mean. 
they're gonna they're gonna find their own way out and the people around them are they're they're gonna it just the culture takes care of itself at a certain point if you've created that family like i talked about and you've got a healthy culture and they they you know the wrong people come but they go and hopefully they go with a good experience and good things to say you know and hopefully we learn from them while they were here Wow. That's amazing that you, you've reached that point. I mean, I just, and I, I think probably Hollywood definitely like many things that they do. Uh, they do a disservice to the musician lifestyle too. I mean, my immediate thought is that, um, you know, between watching everything that VH1 ever put out in like the late nineties, early two thousands, I'm just like, you know, the the stories that we see, if you're going to be part of a rock band at any level and you achieve some sort of fame or notoriety, the story that I encounter is at least one person is going to self-destruct and tear the band up. And you're going to have to somehow deal with that person's ego. You're going to have to work with them. You're going to have to get them into an intervention, all that kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, I see how the living this this the filling side of things this idealistic uh fame trap where you just wanna go all the way out into really the depths of hell but it but it but it's a fun hell like i said earlier um could be attractive to people and yeah you're gonna get in a situation where it just doesn't work for everybody involved what you're telling me is yeah you these people that end up working with you, they don't really encounter that. Is that, is that correct? They don't encounter it here. They, but they might encounter it. You know, you asked, when you asked the question, my first thought that popped up was the, the record industry used to kind of foster that kind of relationship with, abuse, with uh, substance abuse. Like you be the artist, we'll take care of the business. Now, mm. in many ways, that's just perfect it's compartmentalization of two things that don't normally jive you got the number pushers and the, the marketing people and you've got the artists who are in a creative mode now they're arguably some of the best music came from the 70s and 80s because they were purely artists that's all they did now the artists are very you know, they're launching perfume lines they're in movies they're yeah. they've got this wide array of things that they're doing and, and a lot of people think that the music's not maybe as good as it was back then, or it just has glimpses of it. Um, so I, I don't really have an opinion either way, but I do think there's something to that separation of artistry and business acumen. When you put them together, they kind of clash. If you have one person doing both, that's why I told you I, I found people that were in that lane to, to replace me in my own business and, and do those things that they do so much better than I do them. But what, if you had those two ropes, right, Greg, I mean, just think about this, artistry and business, right? Mm. You're holding on to one or the other. If you're holding on to both, half of you is one, half of you is the other. You are pulling away from one to give attention to the other. The, the thing I think strengthens all of this in, in my philosophy, in my brain, is a third rope, something that you can use to braid the others. And then you're infinitely stronger than any rope on its own. And that third rope is emotional intelligence which is kind of what i talked about a while ago understanding what you're going through having the right expectations having a mentor having a roadmap and then understanding the signs as information just teaching you well doesn't mean you're not supposed to sing that song maybe you don't sing it in front of that crowd or at that venue or at this time of year or at that coffee shop maybe the lyrics were too raunchy it's just it's just information that guides you toward 
a more being a better conduit for that inner muse. You, you really just kind of got to get out of your own way. But when it comes to the information, you've got to be present, learn from it. Mm. But on. And I think that's what, when you address that people falling into that lifestyle are overwhelmed by the things I've just talked about. They want to be an artist or they, or they're leaning too hard away from the artistry. They're more engineer minded and they're a business guy, but it's that combination's confusing so when someone comes along and says, let's just drink, <laughs> they're like, hell yeah, I'd love to get yeah. my out of this, man. I, I'm so torn. I just want to be one thing, and they don't understand how it can all be one thing. And, and that's, I don't either, really. So, Do you find that people come to you already sold on this idea that they need that third rope? Or has a lot of your work been uh, really... I, I don't I don't want to say use the word glamorizing, but I, I suppose I've used that in terms of the sales world. Like, do you do you find yourself pitching the idea of like this third way to a lot of people that get into this industry? Well, for me, that was an aha moment. And um, I call it the holy trilogy of a music career. And that's emotional intelligence, business acumen and artistry. It, mm. It's really understanding all three. You don't have to master all three, but you better understand all three. And then at least replace yourself where those in the weak areas because any weakness there is is a death sentence you're not going to make it when people i haven't been able to speak about this out loud that's why the bones of giants book is so important because it allows me to really explain it like like academically but also in the form of a story so that people can get their teeth sunk into it um but when I, when I run into people now, and this is kind of showing what's behind the curtain here, I don't want anyone to ever think that I have been anything less than authentic. But if I identify in someone, maybe, maybe they don't, they're not ready for this kind of attention or this kind of income or this kind of strain on stage or, or you know, that, that many people are in the crowd, whatever it is that I, that I think, okay, this is going to rock them. I, I start to kind of go into parenting mode um, mm. and I'm like, I, I try to build up that part of them and just acknowledge it. Like, you know what, you know what you're really good at? You're really good at connecting. Mm. That's what you. you know what you're really good at is, is just being genuine and relaxed. And I just kind of talk about that feature and, and give it. And then when they, when they experience the thing afterward, I will say, I, that thing I was talking about, it pulled you right through that, didn't it? And I'm not telling them anything they don't know, but I'm getting those negative signs out of the way so they can get right to the information, which is, yeah, I just got stronger. I just got stronger. Sure, I forgot a verse. And that was very embarrassing. But I pushed through it because I'm a pro. Like Alan says, I, I was right there on my mark and I, I held the team together. And, you know, and so it's really just seeing the good. It, it's seeing the good. I think a good director does the same thing. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. But a director who yells at you and, and, uh, or a choreographer or a, a producer on stage, um, the angry guy doesn't get the same results as the nurturing, fostering guy. Am I – is that oh, true? No. You, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a – well, I mean, this is exactly – this lends into another topic, which is my, my background in hypnosis. I mean, you are describing to me – in uh, much more mainstream terms, what I think a great therapist, hypno hypnotist, or any sort of change worker does, which is meeting someone where they're at 
and utilizing a part of them that's a resource that maybe they're not even consciously aware of. And then by calling it into attention in a non-resistant way, you can then build off of that and actually see that person grow. And I'm like, dude, this guy sounds like he came from this wild lifestyle. Like, where did you, did you have an aha moment? Were you in the desert and you like, you know, uh, uh, a <laughs> spirit spoke to you? Like, where, <laughs> who is, the, I think this guy was probably also always inside of you, but like, when did Alan Curran's go from just being a rock star to being like a mentor slash change wizard? Okay, well, first off, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm blown away. Uh, that was that was great what you just said. Thank you so much. I'm gonna just receive that because, because <laughs> um, you, the, the way you said it, I never would have, and, and it's what I aspire to be. Um, I do aspire to see that in people. And anyway, to answer your question, uh, there was an epiphanal moment. I, I have had many heroes' journeys in my in my right, and and every time I have survived and pushed through and 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 succeeded it ended in failure and i've had to rediscover that entrepreneur and that self-starter i've had to re-become me and and get back on my feet um there's only one story that that hasn't had an ending that an ending and that's the one i'm in mm. i used to watch the children's television show i was signed to sony i've been signed to paramount pictures i I've done a look, very small amount of television work, but I've, I've touched so many processes and all of them ended. I, all of them I thought might stick, but the thing was, I wasn't in control of any of them. I was just participating and someone else was in control. In 2008, my brother died at the same age my father died, 53 years old, and he died of cancer. So we had a long time to talk. Now, Stacy was the best musician I've ever known but he was also the most unrealized musician I, I, I've ever known. And he died with a lot of those regrets on, on, on his mind, right? But he called me the real deal. And I've never taken anything to heart like Stacy saying that to me. And so when he died, I think just all these fears I had went with him. And, and I'm not saying overcoming fears like the key to it all, but I will tell you this, when when I started to come up with Mannequin and I, I saw how grandiose my plan was, I wanted to retire, I wanted to own 12 companies, music related. I have all these goals, right? I, I, I was frozen by fear when I wanted to put out my first ad saying I'm, I'm holding auditions. And the thing that got me past it was this moment you just asked about. Mm. And I realized, what am I afraid of? What could possibly happen that I haven't already been through? I've lost, I've lost record deals. I've lost publishing contracts. I've lost TV shows that were on Discovery Kids. I've, I've fallen pretty damn far. My wife and I have been homeless. We've been bankrupt with our twins homeless. Wow. We, we have gone through it, man. I was like, what the fuck am I afraid of, man? So I, I finally just went into Stacy's shoes and, I, and I, I just saw that moment. And I'm like, I am not going to let this stuff be my regret that, that that is not a justifiable reason and so i hit publish on that ad now that was in 2013 when i'd written my business plan and finally gotten to the point where i was going to go public the mm. first person to answer was dana and she flew up from dallas to sing with me and, wow. and she my first audition 
first person to answer the ad, first audition. She left and I told my wife, I've just met somebody really special. And her husband was with her at just the, and now, you know, Dana and I, everything that we do, we are, we're joined at the hip in, a, in the business world. But that epiphanal moment was, it happened between Stacy Dine and me hitting publish. The fears just dissolved and that logic kicked in. I'm sorry, I really went on there, but uh, no, no, no. This is good. This is very. Never scripted that or anything, but you touched a, a nerve, and and it, it really was, it really was just understanding. I can survive. That that allowed me to do all of whatever I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is very interesting. So, I mean, I, I, with that said, I am kind of curious about something you mentioned. What are, I mean, do you have the ability to rattle offhand? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that with me. I should, I should let that land for a second because I'm like, it caught up with me after. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Whoa, you just went very deep. So thank you, Alan. Appreciate that. Um, second, are you able to share any of those musician personality types? I'm very interested about this like prototyping method you've come up with. Can you speak more about that? Oh my God. Um, yeah. And since we're not doing video while we talk here, I, I can just open up my Google drive where I've got the draft of the, the thing in it. Um, yeah. Off the top. Well, you know, I don't even need to, I'm just going to tell you the fun stuff. So yeah, please. I, for now, my working process is I've got red light, yellow light and green light musicians. Obviously the green lights are the ones you want to work with. Right. Yeah. Yellow lights are, Hey, you can work with these people. Here's what to look out for. And red lights are run. Um, and red, <laughs> red lights, red lights are fun because we all know them. Um, like I, I don't even have to explain it, but the volcano. Oh the man, is ready to blow, man. He's like, and and it's a form of self sabotage. You get him out of your uh, his comfort zone, and it's on. He's gonna have a meltdown, whether it's on camera, on stage, in the studio. It doesn't matter to him. Um, so the volcano is a fun one. You, you, you know, really easy to identify. Yeah. The exact inverse of that would be the superstar and the superstar is the ultimate green light guy. And he's the one or she's the one that is cognizant of everything around them on a deeper sense. They, they, they're on a deeper reality. They're not just surface level reality. They're not just, Oh, he's over there reading a book in the green room and Oh, she's over there um, on Facebook. It's not like that. They're like, that person's isolated right now, and they haven't really been that open for two, two days in the green room. What's going on? I'm going to go sit by them and, and, and make sure my team's okay. And they're looking left and right on stage, and they know where everybody's at, and they know when to step back or to get out of the light so that this other thing can be featured. They're cognizant of personal and professional and performance elements, right? They're, they're just all around good people, that, that superstar, and mm. everything in between. You know, you've got another one of those, uh, the gossip is a personality type. I don't have an official name for yet. Yeah. That's going to say anything and you can't trust them, but they're wonderful to be around because they make you feel good. Um, but they're, they're toxic that they're, they're actually in the red light zone. Um, but they're hardest to identify those red light people will break up a band. They, they are the inner, the, the fuse you know, the explosive that if you leave them alone long enough and tolerate them, your culture adjusts to their power. And Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think about, you know, I'm also part of a, uh, I'm part of an acting troupe. 
uh, that does live entertainment at parties, uh, like sort of mostly murder mystery shows. But, um, you know, I, I feel like some of these are applicable to the I mean, they're not like we're not doing long periods of touring the country together, but more like, oh, there's a gig. And normally when things are running, oh, there's a gig in Jersey. Like I'm going to be with this group of people. That's part of our troupe. They hired four actors and we're going to be at someone's wedding for a night. And I'm trying to apply like. I definitely think a gossip person, um, which I have been guilty of all, all these aspects of things, uh, these different personalities. I know you would probably agree. We all do them. Um, but gossip can go real bad. Mm -hmm. It can ruin a, like, it can really ruin the mind space of the performance before the performance even starts. When you're just like sucked into how bad this person is at this last gig and da 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 da, da. like it's 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 an energetic transfer that like um, you know especially over the past couple of years in my involvement I'm a, I'm an assistant director in the troupe um, I very much like adjusted my thinking about it in terms of I see how contagious any negative talk can be leading up to a performance. Right. You're so right. Now, th and that gets to culture, right? That gets to the culture. So the gossip's the most toxic to the culture because they're not, you can't identify them like you can the volcano. They're, they're under the radar. Yes. You know? They, they're, the gossip's like an extrovert, right? They'll, they'll interrupt others when they're working with them or reversing on unrelated issues. They'll feed your ego, but at the same time, they'll kind of undermine you. It, it's just, it, it's just toxic to the well being, right? of everything around you that it's it's no it's not noticeable like the drama king or the drama queen which is a, another bad personality type or the egomaniac which i don't have clever names for these musician pro, profile right. types yet. but there's a musical narcissist these are all red light people and they they all have myers-briggs categories that i'm phasing into this and, and using those brilliant minds out there that created those things to identify our interpretation of it but you're absolutely right this gets to culture now the culture is that's that starts at the very top like i i know i've accepted that i am the match that started this fire now there's nothing without dana and i because it, it truly was a collaboration that made all of this happen but as the person that lit the match the first match people do look to me and how i respond and how i act and i found myself constantly having to catch myself and in the moment, correct what I know is a bad behavior of my own, because I can't, I can't teach, I can't teach that. I can't let that out. It's, I, I, I don't know how to put that. You might, uh, as a someone with a way better therapist background, you might understand that more than me. But there's something that happens when I do it that gives everyone permission to do it. And if I'm graceful, it gives them permission to be graceful. If I'm complimentary, mm -hmm. but if I'm if I'm short or abrupt. Or, or just, uh, you know, if I cut someone a little bit, that gives everyone permission to do that. And the gossip is the one that's like the surgeon. You know, they're in there just, <laughs> oh, they're so, and yeah, we've all done all of them. I can identify every single one of these traits in myself at one point or another, or even now, maybe if I'm honest. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, well, we're human. We are human, you know. No one's no one's like an enlightened rock star. I mean, maybe they someone is. Um, but you know, I no one wants to listen to Yanni. Um <laughs> I mean, uh yeah, no, I mean I hardly a star in my eyes. But yes, no, I think it's very interesting what you're saying. And well, first of all, are you going to is that gonna be part of your book coming out? Yeah, uh, yeah. The Bones of Giants. Are you going to like go into these types? It's the last chapter. Uh, it, it's kind of like a big bonus to the whole book. The book's pretty deep. It does the holy trilogy of my music career. It does uh, the musician's hierarchy of needs or musician's pyramid. Musician's I love this. There, yeah, it doesn't I, seem like there's this is in the market. Like I, it feels like it's so needed in that market. Um, but it's like, I feel like when I think rock and roll and books, I think of just like biographies or like Keith Richards book or just like stories of talking about the journey, but no one really talking about it from that level of awareness. I, I yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Greg, this is, this is the, and we're, we're nearing the, probably the end of our time, but this is the meat. This is the marrow of the bones of the giants. The, what I'm about to tell you. Oh, please feed me, feed me. And I, I've heard it come through in your questions with, with, uh, so a couple of your guests and definitely on those, on your, uh, solo things, especially episode number five. I think you lived in this place during that episode, which everybody listening, listen to episode number five, uh, open open Greg favorite one because it's the most honest one. It's brilliant. But the thing is with music, there's a lot of podcasts, entrepreneurial artists, entrepreneurial musicians. There's a lot of people trying to marry music and business and there's books and, and they're all wonderful. And I've learned a lot, but I don't connect to any, they go in one ear and out the other because nothing sticks. I, I don't have a connection with these people. I, I, I'm not a licensor. I don't, I didn't get a lucky break like you. I, I can't even relate to my dad being famous and stepping into that career you're talking about. <laughs> Right. So all the advice you gave me kind of sifted away because there was never a connection. So I've boiled everything down to what, what I think is, is, is a reduction sauce of who we are. It's, it's the reduction of the artist mind. It's that base level dream that we live in. It's the bottom. It's where we have our all is lost moments and we are so despondent and we are at art's death's door, hemorrhaging on the doormat, wanting to give up. That's where we connect. That's where me and Bruno are the same. That's where Beyonce and I have something in common. We know what it's like to question that inner muse, to fear the loss of that connection and to want to give up, to want to run to safety and just avoid it all and stop risking and stop putting yourself on the line. And if we connect there, I think you can, if you grab the bottom link, you can work your way up any chain. You just have to get a hold of them. And a lot of times people put stories out there that just aren't in the hemisphere that I'm in. And, and I think that is true with so many of us artist types. So when we connect, the connections that you have that are truly valuable, I'd be willing to bet you've got a deeper sense of who that person is than just the surface level reality that they're sharing with the rest of the world. Just that skipping across the pond view that, that others might have. I believe you probably connected on a much deeper level. And I think that's how we do. I'm hoping the book does. I'm hoping my podcast opens conversations like that. But that's that's the bones. That's the bones of giants, right? <laughs> wow. Whoa. That was the most epic 
pitch for a podcast and book I've heard, man. I'm like, wow, I'm going to have to sit in it. See, this is why I said you're a hypnotist, dude. You like, uh, you, you, you took me into a trance state without deliberately like having studied it. You kind of spoken like a oddly it, it's kind of vague but it's kind of specific like in the sense and vague being like a good thing in the sense that it applies to a lot but it's really like speaking to something true like dude i mean you uh you're you're a natural trance inducer do you realize this alan uh, man i want you on my show because the way <laughs> the way you view things it, it, it's kind of like it opens me up a little i i didn't have that prepared so I, I can't wait to hear the recording of this. I've never said those words. In my mind, I understood it. Um, and I think I was coming from there, but that's not in the book. That, I've never written that down. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'm going to, I love this. Well, thank you. I mean, Alan uh, Currens, you are a, <laughs> a, a musician, entrepreneur, um, mentor, hypnotist you don't even realize it um and you are writing a book the bones of giants which will be available next summer 2021 as well as your podcast which is going live in august the bones of giants i would love to be on your show i definitely think everyone should listen and i mean man i yeah i want to check in with you again in the future for sure because this has been an amazing conversation for me as well and you definitely offered i mean look you your original pitch was i got stories from the road with celebrities and i'm like i could go down that route very easily <laughs> and i still do <laughs> yeah but this was like totally different than what i expected and i loved it oh thank you well, Alan, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll definitely put the links to all your stuff as well as Mannequin Productions. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. Best of luck with with putting all these thoughts into the book. Um, and reach out to me when you're ready for the forward. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you, Open Loops. Thank you, Greg. Um, I really enjoy this. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit.